You know, there's a time when, um, when I've spoken in the past or when other people have spoken that when, you know, you, you, maybe you're in a conversation or maybe it's in a sermon or maybe it's a time when, when you know that the words you're saying are way more powerful than what you thought they were when you were saying them. I've had moments in my life where I'm doing, I, I've had years of being a youth pastor. And as a youth pastor, I'm up in front of really hyper teenagers all the time. Um, some of them are in the room. And, uh, and, you know, there I was being overexcited and way too hyper and all of this other stuff. And all of a sudden, Something in the room changes where the words are no longer mine and the words are no longer just like words that are falling on deaf ears. But all of a sudden, something is happening and those words are sinking and there's calm in the room. And you know that everything is being centered on what God is doing in that moment. Moments where you know that the Holy Spirit is at work doing something that's not cognitive but something that's deep in the heart. There are moments where the Holy Spirit does things that aren't things made up by any person. They're not encounters that are, that are manufactured. Sometimes they're just quiet conversations where all of a sudden God is just speaking and the world is changing. I have seen God's voice change people's lives, change their entire orientation, change ex anything that they think about and made them go like, I'm a different person because God spoke to me. Because God spoke. And this, this is one of the reasons that, that God has us as a church. To be people who, who understand that God is at work and not, it's not about us, but it's actually about God. And God is the one who at times takes our words and speaks right past somebody's cognitive abilities and drops something right into their heart that changes their life. I fully believe that God calls us as a church to be people filled with the Spirit who, who affect lives. You know, words, they, they are so important. God used words to create the entire universe. And so I, ha I heard this story. Last week we had our panel discussion and, and we had a guest, Michelle, who was going to Japan and, uh, and, and she's been training and learning about what it means to speak Japanese. What does it mean to go into a Japanese culture? What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And she was, she's talking to me before the service and she goes, so I went to Overflow. Now, Overflow is hyped up amazingness for teenagers. It's like, it is so much fun. You get 3,500 teenagers into one stadium with a huge stage in the center and you get like, you get the best 
of the best of what, you know, we as churches collaboratively bring together to put up our best worship service, to, to direct glory to God. We get the best of our speakers, and, and we get the best of our people who just love Jesus, and they get in there, and they, and they just start telling these kids about Jesus, and, and the Holy Spirit comes and does real work. And so, Michelle is there, and she's being trained as a missionary, and she's there as a youth leader for a different church that I won't name because, you know. And, uh, and so she's, she's there, and she's, she's telling, you know, just, just there being, being, a, being a, an adult leader, I guess, as it were. And the leader on the stage did something that the leaders on the stage should do. They let go of the centrality of power, of I have the mic and nobody else is speaking. And they said, for the leaders in the room that have been praying for your youth, I want you to start to speak God's words over the youth. Well, it's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying for leaders, you know, because they came as like an adult chaperone, not the voice of God. There's a big difference here. And so the leaders get a little bit nervous whenever that happens. I know I've been in that room more than once, and it's just like, what? But Michelle started going like, God, you, you can do something through me. You could do something through me. So she says a few quick prayers, and, and she knows that she's responsible for nine youth in her row. Two of them don't know Jesus and are brand new. This is their first church event. It's 3,500 people, lights, sound, smoke, noise, God. And she, and she starts going down the row, and she gets to one of these guys, and all of a sudden, she starts going, I know exactly what's going on in your life. Without the guy talking, without the guy saying anything, and she's praying over this boy, she starts speaking into his life. And as she stops speaking, she told me this story last Sunday, as she stops speaking, the boy's crying and going, how did you know any of that? How did you know that that's what's going on? Guys, the God that we serve is not just interested in Sunday services. The God that we serve is interested in empowering our speech. In being a God who actually speaks through us, who works in us to bring healing and hope, to bring people's orientation of life away from themselves and putting it solely on the person of Jesus Christ. And I'm thrilled this is why I say I'm excited. This is why I say I'm thrilled. This is why my language is, is so impassioned. Because it's not about you and me, but about the power of God who works through us. And so today, in true Pentecostal um, style, I want to invite you to, uh, to give in text messages as normal. The pink tab on your tablet um, will allow you to give text messages at the bottom of all the notes. And I'll get to them at the end. But in Pentecostal style, we're going to be studying Acts chapter 2 because we've been doing all of Luke's work, and so this happens to be where we are today. And, uh, and Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, Luke's second volume, chapter 2, which is Acts, um, is, uh, is a great story of what God does when God shows up. So it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. 
And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at the sound of the multitude, came, they came together, and they were absolutely bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in their own language. And they were amazed, and they were astonished, saying, Are not all these speaking Galileans? How is it that we hear them each in our own native language? Parthians and Medes and Almanites, the residents of Mesopotamia and Judah and Cappadocia and Pontius Asia, um, Phygeria and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belong to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them talking in our own tongues, the mighty works of God. And they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to each other, What does this mean? But the others, mocking, said they were filled with new wine. Guys, something happened that day, and it was absolutely amazing. And it was stunning. See, God has promised from early on. We can go back to the prophets on this one. God has promised to not just live with his people, not just be near to his people in a temple or in a church building, but God has promised to be our God and to live in us. I will put a new heart in them, a heart that is flesh and not stone. And I will be their God and they will be my people. And, and the idea that the Holy Spirit is someone who comes and dwells in us. Paul works later on and he builds it to be an idea that we are a temple, that you and I and together we are a temple. And a temple bears the very presence of its deity. And so we bear the presence of God in us. God lives in us. This is God's promise that he lives in us. But he didn't just promise to live in us. He promised to empower us. Empowered speech is not just for the people with the microphones. Empowered speech and empowered life is not just for the people that say, oh, I run this thing and so this is what's going to happen. Empowered speech is actually for every single individual that, the, that God dwells in. It's something that God says, this is for you. It's an empowered speech that, that changes our very reality, that changes the things that happen around us. And this is why God, this is what God has been doing. In church history, in the past hundred years, God has been showing people and empowering their speech cross-denominationally, and he's been changing the world. So it's, it's unbelievable when you actually look at, when you look at the numbers, when you look at the type of transformation that's happened since 1906, the type of transformation worldwide that's, that's gone on by people experiencing empowered speech. And it has, it has just swept the entire world where God is doing things with power. And he has promised it just to lay people, to lay people, just people like you and I. Guys, for most of my ministry career, I didn't have a degree. I've no, I, my credentialing is like the most basic credentialing you can get. I'm just a normal dude. Well, normal is the wrong word. Anyways, we're going to move on. Um, empowered speech is also prophetic. 
a prophetic word is not something that we're like, oh yeah, this is just a cool thing that happened. A prophetic word is actually the word of God, what God would say to the situation. It's a word of what God is doing. So as we just went through lament, we start to see the, 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 the difference between, you know, our reality, which has lament in it, and the action of what God is doing. And we see, and we see the contrast. And we live in, in, sometimes in suffering. Sometimes we live in pain. And a prophetic speech is to say, is to say this is what God is doing. These are God's words into this moment. This is how God changes the reality. And so God calls lay people to speak what God is doing. He calls us to actually have open eyes and open ears to be able to hear what the Spirit is doing and then to be able to speak of it and to say, God's doing something amazing here. An empowered speech also includes a prayer language called tongues, which we're going to get into. And so, how do we position ourselves to experience empowered speech? Um, Jesus, in Acts chapter 1, verses 4 to 5, instructs his disciples. And he says, while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. The positioning that God calls us to do when you see the struggle, when you see the, the pain, the first thing we want to do is, is we want to go fix it. We want to go engage. We want to just be like, yep, I'm going to go solve this and fix this problem and do this. And, and for the disciples, the first thing they want to do since Jesus is resurrected, the first thing they want to do is they want to go establish the kingdom of God right now. That's the first thing they want to do. God is doing something new. And so the first thing I want to do is just establish the kingdom of God right now. And we'll worry about everything else. And so we take it upon ourselves and we put all this weight of expectation on ourselves that we have to fix this, we have to change this, and this needs to be fixed, and that oppression needs to end, and, and this poverty needs to end, and that world issue needs to be solved. And Jesus' word is, you wait for the Holy Spirit. The posture that the church needs is a posture of waiting for the Holy Spirit to empower the moments. Waiting for the Holy Spirit to say, it's right here and right now that something happens. That's a posture that we take. And so God says, wait. God says, wait. The second thing that we have is, oh, just for example, when God first told me about Promise Church, <laughs> I was like, let's go, let's do it. And Mark Collins, our district guy, he was like, why aren't you doing it already, man? Like, like let's go. And, uh, and John and I were driving home and we're just like, yep, we're going. And this church is going to start off like a couple months from now. And uh, I didn't sleep that night. And God went, yeah, wait. He actually went, stop. It wasn't even wait. It was just like, stop, you crazy. You're nuts. Stop. And so I had to tell John. I'm like, John, we're not doing it. We're out. And John was like, you're a jerk. <laughs> I hate you forever. And, uh, and, and pretty much. And so John moved up to Sudbury. While God put a full stop and a full wait, you wait. You wait until the Holy Spirit says, now you go. Because if we had gone then, I'll tell you for sure, we wouldn't have been ready. 
we wouldn't have been ready. So God calls us to come together. The next thing is God calls us to come together with one heart and one mind to unite. See, when I started this church, even though I'd gotten the whole idea of waiting for five years, I thought I had fully finished waiting. Apparently not. So here we are. We are existing as a church. And now God says, now you unite. Now you come together. They were all together in one place, in one accord. We come together and we unite. We get to know each other. We get to know each other's passions. We get to know what it is that we care about and how we are developing. And God then, as a community, unites us and fills us with power so that we, when we step into, we step into it with power. We step into it with, with the power of God standing behind us, with the authority of God in the community standing behind us. And, and we go, and this community, God in this community standing behind us, and we go, God has anointed us to bring this good word to this town. We don't do it as, as individuals. We do it in unity. So God's called us to unity. And so this is what we do when we gather. We gather and we unite our hearts towards God. We gather and we say, God, make us passionate about things. Make us, make us have anticipation that you are about to move because I'm not about a church being stagnant. Don't hear that in waiting, God was being stagnant. Hear that in waiting, God is preparing us to move powerfully. Because I know that in my strength, I can't fix Bradford. But God can. God can. And God took 120 people in the upper room in Acts chapter 2, and he changed the entire world because they obeyed and they united and they waited, and then God moved. And when God moved, crazy stuff happened, like empowered speech. So all of a sudden, everybody's speaking in all of these tongues, and they're just like, what? What is going on? What is this empowered speech? You know, like, how does that even work? And so they experience it, and they go like, they, they're, they're, they're talking, and they're just bleh. Words are coming out, and the people are hearing different things. The people are hearing this empowered speech. This empowered speech praises God and it speaks what God is doing. We hear that in the, uh, we hear that in the narrative that, that, the, that the people were like, we don't, we, how is this happening? They're speaking the praises of God. They're speaking the testimony, the witness, the prophetic voice of God. They're speaking it in my language. So there are two types of empowered speech that I want to touch on. This is another big word here. Here's our big word for the day, xenolalia. Xenolalia is a Greek word. Yay for Greek. Woohoo. Okay. Um, xenolalia is a word that means many, um, many languages and, uh, or the languages of many cultures. And so xenolalia is, is the ability to speak a language you have actually never learned. And that's what was happening in Acts chapter 2. The disciples started speaking, and they were speaking in every other language. This is empowered speech. Now, when in 1906, I already referred to it. In 1906, God started doing something in the Pentecostal movement, or what became the Pentecostal movement, and people started speaking in other languages. And this was a little bit weird for them. Okay, a lot weird. But God's clearly doing something. They start speaking in other languages and other people from other cultures are going like, I actually understand you. 
but you didn't know how to speak my language. So this, is, this was the fun part of our history. This is a lot of fun because they'd be like, well, I can speak Cantonese. So God's calling me to be a missionary to China. And they would literally sell all they have, buy airplane tickets and go to China to be missionaries. It didn't last long because it didn't actually work all the time. <laughs> it wasn't like they actually knew how to speak Cantonese. They were just filled with the Holy Spirit and, and then off they go. And there are some crazy stories about like people going like, well, now I can speak Cantonese. And so then they go and they just start speaking and people are like, what did you just say? <laughs> so here's the cool thing. God, God's power cannot be co-opted. God's power, his speech that he gives through us can't be used for our benefit or used for our glory. It's not something that God does. He doesn't actually honor that, but he does do it. He does do it. And, and we've heard numerous of examples of people who, who speak and God's word is spoken. And it's in, it's in languages and you're just like, wow, unbelievable. This is real. And so God is, God is actively working. The second word, the second word that we have is glossolalia. Glossolalia is kind of where we get the word, uh, the root word is glossary in there actually, many different. And, uh, and glossolalia is speech that cannot be understood by any other human. So if you look at 1 Corinthians 14, chapter 2, you'll see that Paul talks about speaking in tongues more than anybody else. And he's talking about a private prayer language that actually has no concrete definition to it. Tongues of men and of angels is what he refers to it in, uh, in 1 Corinthians 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, he's talking about a normal language and then talking about glossolalia. Um, so this is really, this is something that's there. It's empowered speech. It's God who is speaking through us. In, empowered speech enables us to overcome fear and inadequacy. Guys, how many times have we ever experienced fear or inadequacy when we're supposed to be speaking the words of God or supposed to be witnessing or supposed to be telling somebody about Jesus or supposed to be doing something like that? All of a sudden, you feel a little bit insecure, a little bit socially awkward. Okay, maybe it's just me, but I'm pretty sure that that goes across the board. Those times that I was speaking to those teenagers, I knew the difference. I knew that there were moments when I was speaking that I was just talking. In fact, you, some people will remember that there were a couple of them that I actually just went, I'm done now because God's not really saying anything and I don't want to waste your time. And I would just end a sermon right in the dead center of it because I'm like, this isn't it. But there are times when the Holy Spirit speaks and all insecurity and all fear just fades away. It just disappears because you know that you're in line with exactly what the Holy Almighty God is saying. You know that's where you are. We can't do it without God. Guys, we can't foreshadow the kingdom of God without us being aware of the Holy Spirit inside of us. We can't, we can't impact the town without the authority of God speaking through us when we speak. And so how do we get there? We spend our time waiting on God and we unite as a community in the presence of God saying, God, empower us to raise above what our limitations bring us to. 
and to exist in this town as actual conduits of your hope and of your life. So I'm going to ask Pastor Devin to come up and, uh, and we're just going to worship this God that we serve because this God we serve is active. Guys, as much as I talked about all the things that God is doing, as much as I talked about the, the investments that we're making, that, that, you know, this is wonderful, the God that we serve is the one that carries that, that empowered message that, that he wants to give to each one of us in moments in time where it's like we speak with the power of God and lives and hearts are changed and empowered and redefined. And there's so much hope in that, that God's not done yet. He's not done yet. So I'm going to pray for us, and then, uh, and then we're, going to, we're going to sing some, some worship. God, I thank you that your promise was that you, would, that you would empower the disciples. I thank you that, that this is what you still do today. We, as a community of your disciples, I pray that, that you would empower us with your speech. That you would empower us with your vision of what you're doing in Bradford. That the words and the things that we do wouldn't come from our own invention. But that they would come from a strength that you, the Almighty God, speaks life and truth and healing and hope and praise through our lips. God, consecrate, change our lips. Empower them with your Holy Spirit. And we wait for you to do that. In Jesus' name.